This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. Those of you out there in American Family Radio land, the show is called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman, renegade, heretic, outlier psychologist, licensed by the North Carolina Psychology Board, which regrets the day they ever gave me a license because I go around the country and tell the truth, which is that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, the American parent, the American marriage, the American family, the American school, neighborhood, community, and culture than psychologists even know how to solve. My licensing board has tried to take my license away three times. They have been unsuccessful at doing so. They have tried to do so because they don't like what I say. And I have had to employ uh, relatively expensive attorneys to uh, educate them as regards the fact that um, I am guaranteed by the uh, my free speech rights are guaranteed by the United States Constitution. Why I would have to hire lawyers to inform an organization like the North Carolina Psychology Board of this is beyond the pale. But let me point this out that psychology is a very liberal profession. Psychology boards are very liberal organizations. And if there is anything that liberals hate, it is free speech. They also hate choice. And that leads me into what today's program is all about. It's all about school choice and the liberal attack, the relentless liberal attack on school choice. In this case, the story concerns a charter school in the formerly great state of Massachusetts, of late the state symbolized by Teddy Kennedy, whom you may recall drove a car, drunkenly drove a car off a bridge and swam out of the car, abandoning his female passenger to drown. And yet, the citizens of Massachusetts continued to elect this loathsome individual to the Senate over and over and over again. Massachusetts is also the state where Elizabeth Warren, great a great name to progressives, holds the senatorial seat formerly occupied, in fact, by the infamous Teddy Kennedy. So, you know, in that context, what I'm about to tell you shouldn't be surprising. And what I'm about to tell you is that last November, November 2016, the citizens of the formerly great state of Massachusetts voted to curtail funding for charter schools, not to eliminate funding for charter schools, but to curtail it, which means that existing charter schools in the state of Massachusetts will continue to exist, but it becomes highly unlikely that there will be any new charter schools in the state of Massachusetts. The citizens of Massachusetts voted to curtail funding for charter schools, even though 
it has been demonstrated that students attending charter schools in Massachusetts score 10 percentile points higher on achievement tests than do matched students who attend public schools. In other words, a child who comes from, who's a, let's say, a fifth grader, who comes from a certain neighborhood and a certain type of family in Boston, who attends a charter school, will probably score 10 points higher than a fifth grader from the same neighborhood, the same type of family, who attends a public school 10 percentile points higher than the public school student. Even though it has been demonstrated that charter schools are doing a better job in Massachusetts than public schools, the citizens of Massachusetts, the formerly great state of Massachusetts, were persuaded by liberal propaganda to the effect that funding charter schools was going to destroy public education and destroy the lives of children. You know, the usual left-wing hysteria, ladies and gentlemen, were persuaded to defund charter schools even though they are doing a better job. And all of this was accomplished, by the way, by funding that came largely from the teachers' unions. Uh, Teachers' unions are highly threatened by charter schools because charter schools, uh, the teachers in charter schools are not members of teachers' unions, which means if a teacher teaching in a charter school is not doing a good job, she can be fired. What a concept. If you are incompetent, you get fired. See, in the public schools in the great, formerly great state of Massachusetts, teachers belong to teachers' unions. And if a teacher is not doing a good job, he or she cannot be fired. These people in, in teachers' unions, folks, can do just about anything other than have inappropriate relationships with a student and still manage to keep their jobs. There are teachers in public schools all over America, and there are exceptions. Of course, there are good public schools, but they are few and far between, and they are becoming fewer, and they are becoming farther between. But there are teachers in public schools all over America, ladies and gentlemen, who cannot speak proper English, who cannot write proper English, who uh, are not competent at the subjects they teach. I mean, America's public educational system is in tatters, to quote the great 20th century philosopher Mick Jagger. Anyway, one of the charter schools in question in the formerly great state of Massachusetts is a charter school known as Mystic Valley Charter School. I'm very familiar with Mystic Valley Charter School, which is located in a suburb of Boston, because uh, Mystic Valley is, uh, or I am honored to have spoken there on three occasions. I've uh, spoken to their teachers at a all-day teacher in-service, and I have spoken 
to their parent community on two occasions. I have a great relationship with the folks at Mystic Valley Charter School, and one reason being that my parenting philosophy and their educational philosophy dovetail. We are both traditionalists in our point of view concerning children and how to raise and educate them properly. So it recently came to my attention that a young African-American high school student at Mystic Valley Regional Charter School threatened a lawsuit because Mystic Valley Regional Charter School informed her that she would not be allowed to wear a hair extension to the school prom. She claimed through the uh, her lawyers, and, and uh, by the way, uh, I believe that this was a set-up hit job because there was no attempt on the part of the girl or her parents to persuade the school to relax their restriction against hair extensions. Simply demonstrators and lawyers showed up demonstrating in front of the school, holding up signs saying, we will not stop, and uh, accusing the school of being racist. And uh, lawyers were right on the scene. So this was set up. This was planned in advance. Make no mistake about it. Now, what you have to understand is that Mystic Valley Regional Charter School has a student handbook. And in the student handbook, it spells out hair extensions are not allowed. And parents are required to read the student handbook and sign that they agree and will support the policies contained in said handbook. So this girl's parents read the handbook signed saying they would support that they agreed with and would support the policies. And yet when lawyers approached the uh, parents and said, Hey, we'd like to use your daughter to challenge this regulation. They jumped right on it. And the board of directors of Mystic Valley regional charter school caved. Isn't that a shame? They caved. Shame on you, Board of Directors of Mystic Valley Regional Charter School. And the liberals, by screaming and ranting and raving, won again. What was this really all about? It was really all about proving that charter schools are racist places that uh, you don't want to send your children to. By the way, the girls' uh, protest was based on the idea that hair extensions are a black thing, and therefore, to restrict hair extensions is to discriminate against black girls. Now, if that is not absurd, I do not know what is. I recently stopped at a hair extension kiosk in a uh, shopping center and asked, are all of your customers black? And the girl looked at me rather oddly and said, no, look around. We have blonde. We have we have brunette, we have, you know, we have all sorts of hair extensions here. They, uh, our customers represent the full ethnic range. Nonetheless, even though this was a frivolous lawsuit, the uh, board of directors of, of Mystic Valley Regional's Charter School 
caved rather than fight the good fight. And, and that's part of the problem in America today, folks, with conservatives is we all too often cave rather than fighting the good fight. So anyway, it's time for our break in the uh, fastest half hour in American radio. To paraphrase uh, Rush Limbaugh, be back in a moment. Please stay with us. Welcome back to the show. It's called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. You can find out more about me and my parenting ministry by going to johnrosemond.com. johnrosemond.com. I was uh, recently honored to be a guest on my good friend Dennis Prager's syndicated radio program, which is broadcast out of Los Angeles. Dennis is a very conservative, thinking individual whom I have a great deal of respect for. And uh, the feeling is somewhat mutual because Dennis has had me on his program three times now, and every time he's had me on for a solid hour, and uh, which is almost unheard of in talk radio. By the way, I um, part of Dennis's uh, mission involves an entity called Prager University. And on Prager University, you will find short five-minute videos done by people who represent points of view like mine, which is to say points of view that you don't hear on a regular basis through the mainstream media, talking about various cultural issues And on Prager University, you'll be able to find two videos uh, from yours truly, one on vitamin N, which is the word no, and the other, which is on the subject of how to properly discipline children, which I explain in five minutes, believe it or not. That's how simple the discipline of children really and truly is. My videos... um, I get a lot of, what do you call them, hits. And so Dennis invited me to be on his show. And most of the conversation on this most recent appearance centered on the need for children to obey. And, as you know, Dennis asked me basically, why should children obey? Which is a good question. Why should children obey? And children should obey. The answer is that children should obey because and solid research confirms common sense on this point. Uh, Obedient children are happy children. That is correct. Obedient children are happy children. As I tell my audiences all over the country, you have never met a disobedient child who acts like a happy camper. Obedience to legitimate authority, which in this case is a child's obedience to the legitimate authority of his parents, and happiness 
a sense of optimism concerning oneself, one's abilities, and just life in general go hand in hand. Happiness, a child's happiness, reflects an optimistic view of life, an optimistic view of his or her ability to endure, and even perhaps, and perhaps is an operative word, overcome obstacles thrown in his or her path, and for those reasons, an overall sense of well-being. In other words, while certain benefit accrues to parents as the result of having an obedient child, your parenting is less stressful, for example, the most significant benefit of obedience is to the obeyer, which in this case is the child. Unbeknownst to them, today's parents are their children's worst enemies when it comes to obedience. Today's parents are generally in my estimation and observation, uncomfortable with the idea that just as it is their job to provide unconditional love to their children, it is also their job and an equally important one to provide unequivocal authority. Children need unequivocal conditional love, and they need unequivocal authority. But because parents are uncomfortable, today's parents, generally speaking, with their own authority, they question its legitimacy, wittingly and unwittingly, they yell. They want their children to do what they tell them to do, but they assume a pleading posture. They get down to their child's level, which is what you know the, quote, experts, end quote, have been telling them to do since the 1970s. They assume a pleading posture when they talk to their kids, beat around the bush when it comes to conveying decisions and instructions, and end said decisions and instructions with the mealy-mouthed word, okay, so their kids don't obey. Because children obey people who project authority competently. That's right. That's how you get a child to obey. You simply project confidence in the legitimacy of your authority, which most of today's parents do not do, And so most of today's parents will tell you they yell on a regular basis. Making matters worse, most of the parents I talk to around the country, and I think it's safe to say that I talk to more parents on an annual basis than anyone else in the United States of America, most of the parents I talk to around the country tell me they want their kids to cooperate That's the word they use. I want my child to cooperate. And I say, no, you don't. Cooperation is possible. It's only possible between mutually respecting peers. You are not your child's peer. You are the superior in the relationship. And you need to embrace that fact for your child's sake. Authority is conveyed naturally 
you know, without any pressure by parents who accept that responsibility, the responsibility of being the superior in the relationship. When you act like you are the superior in your relationship with your child, you convey to your child a tremendous sense of security and well-being. He instinctively, intuitively understands he is loved, he is being provided for, and he is being protected. He doesn't have anything to worry about. What a wonderful gift to give to a child. That parent mindset, again, a complete confidence in the legitimacy of your authority. Your authority is legitimate because who assigned you authority over your child? Answer the question. Say it out loud. Who assigned you authority over your child altogether now? One, two, three. God. Your authority over your child cannot be any more legitimate. You do not need to justify your authority over your child by explaining yourself to your child. This is why the answer, because I said so, to why and why not, is completely legitimate. You are the superior in the relationship. That mindset on the part of parents enables relaxed, straightforward, unequivocal communication. The parents in question say what they mean, mean what they say. No means no. Their children obey simply because obedience is a child's natural response to the proper conveyance of authority. Thus, the parents in question do not have to rely on consequences much, if at all. So, you know, I, I when parents come up to me and say, John, I've got a child who won't listen to me, won't do what I say, very disobedient, I say, are there, are there adults in your child's life who do not have this problem with your child? Oh, yeah, his uncle, his grandfather, his grandmother, whomever. And I then look at the parent and say, well, are you willing, therefore, to accept that this is your fault and that the person who needs to be quote, fixed, end quote, here is you, not your child? That's a tough question, ain't it? Anyway, so I'm on Dennis Prager's radio program a few weeks back, and I'm explaining all this, and toward the end of the show, and, and Dennis and I are just having a marvelous back and forth, you know, we, we have great mutual respect for each other. Toward the end of the show, a fellow named Marvin, he identified himself as an educator, undoubtedly public school, undoubtedly, I called in to say that he disagreed with everything. And he made, he made this very, very clear, disagreed with everything I was saying. Adults should collaborate with children, not coerce them, he said. Um, I had never used the word coercion, by the way. But Marvin heard what his ideological filters allowed him to hear. Instead of saying no to a child, Marvin said, you should say not yet. Why should you say not yet instead of no? Well, because that's more pleasing to the child. 
an adult, and Marvin didn't say this now, I'm filling this in, and this is the liberal point of view when it comes to child rearing, and adults must all must above all else be pleasing to children. Mind you, I'm being sarcastic here. To be fair, collaborative discipline is the method du jour in American education. It goes hand in hand with parents wanting children to cooperate. Collaboration and cooperation presume that children are rational, which they are not. They are instead self-centered. Without realizing it, therefore, Marvin gave Dennis's audience a glimpse into why the adult-child relationship in America is so often upside down in today's homes and schools. Marvin is an example of why America desperately needs a retro revolution in parenting, which yours truly is doing his best to bring about. Folks, thanks for joining the show. I'm here every Saturday afternoon on American Family Radio, 6 o'clock Eastern Time, and you can do the math from there. God bless you all. God bless your families. Be well.